0: you are now listening to creative
1: masters this is the podcast where we interview musicians photographers directors comedians designers and other creatives to discuss how they got started how they got past those bumps in the road and how they built a career off their creativity so let's get right into it i'm your host and i'm
0: team with
1: machine masters to bring you creative masters now let's start the show What's up, everybody? This is Reggie, AKA Nobody Famous. You're listening to the Creative Mattress Podcast. I just wanna say thanks to everybody who's been listening and rating and sharing the show. We greatly appreciate it. And also a big shout out to the Amplify Collective, Bree and Thais for coming on the show last week. A lot of people hit me up and said that that episode really inspired them and spoke to them. And they're gonna make some changes in their life to go after their dreams. So we're glad that that really inspired you and helped you. And we hope that you continue to listen to the show. This week for episode 13, we got Odd Kid out. He is a very dope music producer and finger drummer and songwriter. We've been following each other for about a year and a half on Instagram. And it's crazy because I saw him go from just a few thousand followers to over 60,000 followers. He's worked with Instagram, he's worked with Native Instruments and a whole bunch of other people. So in this episode, we talk about his background.
2: So it's a funny story. I was in my car seat when I was like, I don't know, maybe one or two. Mm-hmm. And my dad saw me like air drumming in the back seat. So uh, he bought me a drum set and uh, started drumming when I was, started seriously drumming when I was like six. Started touring around 13 or 14. And then my mom bought me music production software and the Native Instruments machine.
1: Then we get into some of the details on how he built his Instagram following through posting beat making videos online.
2: I started working with like Fact Magazine mm-hmm. and then, um, before I knew it I had Instagram, you know, hitting me up. and. Um, that was definitely essential for me. Then, of course, we talk
1: about what motivates him and why he does what he does.
2: Growing up, I never really cared about, like, what the coolest party was in high school or anything like that. Like, I was focused on having a career, which sounds super weird. Like, I'm still a fun dude. It's just, like, yeah, yeah. I definitely just kind of wanted to do I wanted to do the things that no one else could do
1: we get into this and so much more I love this episode because odd kid out is only 20 years old and he's absolutely crushing it right now so sit back relax and be inspired this is episode 13 of the creative masters podcast featuring odd kid out Ain't nobody famous, you're listening to the Creative Masters Podcast. Today we've got a very dope guest. He's a drummer, a music producer, and a songwriter. He's been killing it on Instagram for about the past year, year and a half or so. He goes by the name of Odd Kid Out. What's going on, my dude? How you doing?
2: How you doing? Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, thanks for coming on, man. I just wanted to share your story and uh, you know let the listeners know who you are and everything. So will you give us you know just a quick 60 or 90 second elevator speech of who you are, what you do, where you're from, and all that kind of good stuff, and then we'll hop into it.
2: Yeah, for sure. So I was born in Philadelphia, in the suburbs of Philadelphia. Um, and so it's a funny story. I was in my car seat when I was like, I don't know, maybe one or two,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and my dad saw me like air drumming in the back seat. So uh, he bought me a drum set, and uh, started drumming when I was started seriously drumming when I was like six. Started touring around thirteen or fourteen. And then my mom bought me music production software and the Native Instruments machine when I was like a sophomore in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I got to college, I started I'd kid out, and uh, yeah, it's been great ever since, man.
1: Yeah, that's what's up. Cause I mean, uh, like I said, I, I found you on Instagram. I'm just searching hashtags and things like that. And I remember probably about a year and a half ago, maybe a little less than a year or a little over a year ago. Um, you started posting like a bunch of machine videos and you know you had like a few thousand followers and whatnot and then all of a sudden it's like all these other communities that i'm following started getting a bunch of started reposting you and i was like oh like you reposted by all these people and it just like kind of blew up from there so right um you know you're very dope with the with the videos and things like that we're definitely gonna talk in, uh get into all that as well but um let's kind of talk about like the air drumming and things like that so were you always like musically inclined was it just drumming or you know, what, what was kind of like your experience and background with, with music?
2: Yeah, it's funny because no one in my family is musical. So I don't really know where I came from, but um, I always kind of had like a good sense of rhythm. And I actually like wanted to quit drumming. I was doing it f- uh, for a while. By the time I turned like 10 or 11, I was like, okay, like I'm just bored of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I took about a year break off. Um, and realized that I missed it and that was kind of like my um, you know it's where I really found how much it meant to me and how much I loved it, music in general um, but aside from playing music has always kind of been like a, an escape for me you know it's very cathartic and artistic and you know th- there's just whenever I'm doing something I want to be listening to music so it's just always a part of my
0: world.
1: Yeah for sure so um, like throughout school and everything I, I mean I know I've, I've did my research and kind of dug into you a little bit and I <laughs> saw that you, were, uh, you attended the School of Rock Music. So can you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Yeah. So the School of Rock, um, it's basically, for, for those of you who don't know, it's like, a, I believe it's across all of America. Um, but it's basically a program where kids can go in and not only learn instruments, but play shows um, and travel and tour. And so, one opened up um, in the suburbs where I used to live, uh, Fort Washington, Pennsylvania. And I went there the day it opened um, and started studying under this guy named Jim Love. And that's really where I kind of honed my craft for sure. They, They have private lessons, so like every week, every Wednesday, I'd go in and just what was great was my teacher would like, he'd be like, all right, hip hop this week, jazz next week, mm-hmm. funk the next week. So like from an early age, I developed a wide range of, of genres. Um, but the, it's it's also good because while there are a lot of music inclined kids, there's not a lot of communities, at least from where I am, to kind of like, you know, just hang out and be around people mm-hmm. um, that do the same thing. So not only does the school rock teach you, but it, it gives you a place to feel like you have, you know, peers that do the same thing that you do.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, and how important do you feel like in your upbringing and learning about music that that community, um, how, how big did that community play in like your style and your influences and things like that?
2: V- very, very big because... I started out um, doing like classic rock shows, we would do like, you know, an ACDC show and, and do a bunch of their hits and stuff and, and what that did for me was it gave me a foundation um, of how to figure out, you know, verse chorus, bridge chorus, you know, the whole shebang. Um, but also, you know, just spending those times in private lessons and, and working on different types of music every week and then, you know, talking to kids that go there and, and seeing what they are listening to. Um, it was definitely just a place for me to kind of continuously grow. Otherwise, I feel like you kind of just get lost by yourself, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And just to make sure I'm kind of thinking the same things, I think I've heard of the School of Rock before. Is that kind of like where they kind of pair you with like, you know, three or four people and you kind of just do like a band show or something like that?
2: It's it's sort of that way. It, it, with this with the, uh, the school that I went to, um, there was a good amount of people. So they would do maybe like three or four shows um, every season, Mm-hmm. And there's probably like, I don't even, it's probably grown now, but uh, maybe like 20 or 30 kids and per show. So, you know, there's a lot of kids in, in the school, but they, they put like 20 or 30 in the ACDC show. And then uh, individually, you get placed on maybe four or five songs. And depending what instruments you play, you know, you switch it up or you do all the same one. Um, okay. But that's like the model.
1: OK, so you basically were just like you would go and depending on what you played, you would play with like different people for different songs for, for a show and things like that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And there's like different, you know, um, levels of shows, some more difficult than the others. So um, you don't ever feel like you're misplaced, which is good. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's
1: that's really dope, though. Um So then let's kind of touch on to like your middle school and high school years. Um, What were you doing throughout those years besides School of Rock? I saw that like you were like an orchestra and band and things like that. So, what were you um, doing throughout your, your, you know, your middle school and high school years with music?
2: Yeah. So, I went to a high school called Germantown Academy, which was also in Fort Washington. And um, all through middle school, I played, um, you know, concert bands. So, I was doing. Everything from timpanis to snare drum to bass drum mm-hmm. to the triangle, <laughs> um, but that was cool because again, it's just another medium to learn. Um, but the cool thing was I got to join the high school jazz band when I was in eighth grade. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I kind of got a taste of, of the jazz band and, and what that you know kind of gave. But when I when I went to high school, I did that um, all four years. And that was really cool because I don't want to say that jazz is not important, but in our, you know, modern day society, mm-hmm. it's not. You know, kids my age don't listen to jazz. Let me put it that way. So for me to be able to kind of engulf myself in that style was just was just huge. So and then you know also in high school I was doing a lot of different um, studio work and uh, working with different bands, and that's when I kind of started to to um, you know, just explore what what I found fun and what I found interesting. So mm-hmm.
1: So let's unpack that that <laughs> studio work in, in high school and also um I guess being in the jazz band in eighth grade, which basically you know, for most people they would start like in ninth grade or tenth grade and things like that. So who kinda tapped you and said like you had the talent or saw the you know, had the foresight to see your talent ahead of time to pull you up and have you play with the with the older kids?
2: Um, I believe his name was uh Chris Horner, Mr. Horner,
0: mm-hmm.
2: he was the guy that ran the jazz band, and, um, when I was doing my my tests to get into my high school, um, there was a music portion, um, because I put down that I was interested for that, so him and a guy named Joe Morrow, who ran the concert band, um, they had me come in before I was accepted into this high school, and, um, I sat down on the drum set and played, and I think I just impressed them um, from the bat. And, and as soon as I came uh, to the school, they kind of just threw me in it right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I think that initial meeting where I just, you know, literally they were just like, all right, play jazz, play rock. And, you know, when I did all of them really well, I think they were just impressed. So Yeah, and do
1: you think that the School of Rock played I- it, had an influence on that? Oh, yeah,
2: yeah, for sure. The The timeline would be like, you know, me picking up the drums, messing around, going to school with rock to to kind of you know get better and then using those talents to, to get involved with the stuff at school so everything kind of, you know, the stars aligned to put it,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So then um, you said that your mom had bought you a machine, you said, what was that, like 10th or 11th grade when you had got it?
2: Yeah, it was funny, Um, so my what was it, freshman year of high school, my mom was like, hey, like have you ever tried producing music? And I was like, oh, well, like, I've used GarageBand, but mm-hmm. otherwise nothing. And she was like, What well, do you want Logic? And I was like, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. So my freshman year of high school, I got Logic. And I remember how excited I was. I was like, I didn't leave my room for days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So um, I just started producing, and, and I didn't ever take any courses on producing. I never had anyone... I mean, I've had producers influence me, but I've 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 never actually had someone, like, teach me how to use Logic.
0: Mm-hmm. So my whole freshman
2: year was just a trial and error of making music. And um, my sophomore year of high school was when I got the machine because I'd always loved, like, Jay Dilla, Pete Rock, mm-hmm. Premier, Mad Lib, all these dudes, and I was like, yo, like, I need an MPC. So um, my sophomore year, I got that, and um, I really didn't do live finger drumming I I really kind of just used it as like a um a midi controller Mm -hmm. and for all the non-music nerds basically just like I used it like a keyboard I just kind of like used the different pads to record sounds um but as I got older I started to just transfer what I knew from drums to the pads um and yeah that, that was basically the transition it wasn't too too difficult at all
1: yeah that's really dope and let's kind of uh, touch on when you had got logic and things like that because like in a previous episode i was talking to um another producer jay rhodes and we were just kind of talking about how like when we kind of started out because we're a little older than you we didn't have like youtube or anything like that to like kind of see how people do things so yeah. we just had to like do trial and error so did you ever go and like watch youtube videos or tutorials on how to do stuff or was it just pretty much like i'm just gonna press these buttons and see what it does and learn that way I think it was like half
2: and half, but I mm-hmm. definitely relied on YouTube. I remember um, I really wanted to learn how to sample magic, mm-hmm. and I was like, I just have no idea how to do this. Um, and so I think I watched, I think it was like a Scott video.
1: Yeah, yeah, they got good ones, yep.
2: Yeah, so I watched a bunch of those, and then watched a bunch of just other random ones. Um, but yeah, no, YouTube, if if anything helped me, it was definitely YouTube.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then let's um kind of touch on the influences. I was going to ask you that. And I could totally hear like the Mad Libs and the Dillas and everything in your, yeah. in your um, music, like the influence of it. So how did you get to that? Like those those people. Like how did you come across those people?
2: Yeah. So like I said, when I was younger, my world was like rock, um, and I, I still love rock. But I I actually credit my love for hip hop from video games because I would play. Um, I think it was Tony Hawk, Pro Skater 4, like, Tony Hawk Underground. Mm-hmm. But he played all these, like, Tony Hawk games, and I would hear these songs, like, Jurassic 5 songs. Yeah,
1: like, Mouth of them. and all kinds of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and
2: I would go into the the settings and turn the, the music in the video game to only do hip-hop. Mm-hmm. So I was just listening to hip-hop over and over and over, and, um... And eventually, I kind of just explored different types of things. And being from Philly, like obviously, you know, Quest Love plays
0: mm-hmm. a big
2: part in like the music scene and stuff. So I started to get into that like neo soul kind of, uh, you know.
1: Yeah, like Jill, Jill Scott, all the roots, yeah. everybody. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. So just like all that type of stuff influenced me. Um, but then, like, the, you know, the, the classic East Coast hip hop, um, you know like all those people I mentioned before, like Pete Rock and all that. Um, I just, I remember I was driving up to Delaware for a gig and I, I heard my first Jay Dilla beat and I was like, what is this? <laughs> and I like, looped it the entire drive. And uh, and yeah, I don't know. It's I love all types of music. Like I can really listen to anything, but there's something about that boom bap era of hip hop that kind of just, you know, really not to be cheesy, but it touches the soul, man. You
1: know, yeah. And, and that's interesting, especially hearing coming from like a younger person, because like my friend has sent me um, something the other day and it was like it, if it, I bet anyone over 30 can't like name these four rappers and it was like Lil Yachty and like, <laughs> yeah. you know, Savage 21 and things like that. So when like people because like a lot of younger people be like, well, you know, like Dilla or Madlib or somebody like they're just boring to listen to. But it's like right. it's if you're really into music and you're into like tones and rhythms and things like that, like it really does touch your soul, like you said. So uh, it's pretty interesting how you got into it. And then I do kind of hear like some electronic influences in your music as well. So does anybody like electronically that really stuck out to you as you were like learning how to produce and things like that?
2: Yeah, so my entire freshman year of high school, I only listened to dubstep. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Only listened to dubstep and like a little bit of house music so I really lived in like an electronic EDM world for a year,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and uh, I guess kind of just—I guess my sound is—I don't like to put a label on it because I want it to always be growing. But it's kind of like a, a, a meshing of that electronic world and mm-hmm. you know hip hop and, and soulful type stuff. Um, but there's just something like I love te- like techy stuff, like I love like messing around with computers, so all that electronic stuff just kind of like plays into all the themes. Yeah. And there's a lot of dope
1: producers who kind of merge those two as well, like Cachinadas and people like that. It was, was you you know, super soulful, but it's got that electronic element to it. So it's, it's really dope uh, stuff out there for sure. You had mentioned that you were like touring, um, you know, when you're like 13, 14 and things like that. Will you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Yeah. So I was doing a lot of touring with the school of rock, like I said before. Mm -hmm. And then, um, there was an XPN artist, his name is Jeffrey Gaines. And he wanted me to go on tour with him, but I was too young and was in school, mm-hmm. um, so that didn't work out. Now, but
1: was that, that as a drummer or what were you doing at the time? Yeah,
2: so at this point I hadn't started producing yet, so okay. it was just as a drummer. And um, I did some stuff with an older rock guy named, um, uh, what's his name, John Eddy. Mm-hmm. And then um, when I got a little bit older, I did like, you know, local Philly band touring, just doing, you know, backing for bands, Uh, nothing super huge. And then at the end of high school, um, into the beginning of college, I was the drummer for Freddie Jackson's band um, for a couple shows. Um, But yeah, that was the extent of, of the
0: touring for me.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. So let's move on to um, you know post high school and into college. Um, you go to Drexel, is that correct? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And what are you majoring in at Drexel?
2: Uh, music business and industry. So it's like a mix of producing and learning studio techniques, and then also learning the business and law side of the of the industry. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah,
1: that's so dope. Cause I remember like when I went to school all you can really do is kind of like basic studio stuff, like learn about MIDI and everything like that. And then it was probably like right when I graduated, it's like all of the um, music business programs and stuff started popping up. I was like, man, if I had this, I would have definitely been in it. But uh, what made you you go to Drexel, choose
2: Drexel and uh, major in that? Um, Well, one, their program is awesome. um, And their facilities are really good. Mm -hmm. Um, Another reason was just because I had a lot of, buzz and connections in Philly and I didn't want to lose that steam. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the third one, I didn't really want to go to like a music conservatory, like mm-hmm. a, a school that's only you know focused on making music. I wanted to have a degree that holds a little bit more weight um, from the business side. Mm-hmm. So in combination with all those three, I, I figured it would be the best fit for me.
1: And do you find what you've um, learned so far and, and kind of doing the music business side of things as well? Has, how has that helped you in your career? Because um, I know you just released the EP a few months ago and things like that. So has what you've learned so far in music business school helped you? Oh, yeah, for sure. There's
2: there's a lot of law type stuff and a lot of just like common knowledge that I've learned just from being here, mm-hmm. uh, just from being uh, at college. And I'm actually I'm out in L.A. right now, and there's just a, a lot more... There's a bigger emphasis on the industry out here, yep. so I feel like having knowledge from school um, has definitely kind of helped me guide myself out here too. I feel like if I didn't have that, I would I would feel a lot more lost.
1: Yeah, you'd just be like, why, wide, like, why not? Like, oh, because I, I used to live in LA. I lived out there for a while, so it's just like so many things come at you from all different directions, and it's kind of hard to right. decipher. So you got to understand, like, you know what you what you're looking for, and have your goals in mind, and things like that. And you're out there for an internship, correct?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm out here for an internship through Drexel. Well, it's not through Drexel, but it's for Drexel credit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my manager lives out here too. So I'm just working with him. And, you know, I'll go to work from 10 to 5 every day. And mm-hmm. then after that, I go hit the studio and write and work with people and companies and stuff like that. So
1: that's nice, nice. And can you give us a little bit of um, kind of what you're doing day to day as far as the internship goes?
2: Yeah, I'm basically all of the management side. So it's I'm doing like tour budgeting, financing. Um, I'm making sure that all the hotels are set up for the tour. I'm doing digital design, like literally everything. Um, and and the guy that I work for, uh, Brandon Ginsberg, who's, who's an awesome dude, um, actually has me doing like he knows I'm a producer, so he'll like push me some like side work, be like, hey, remix this for my artist that I manage and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of good, you know. A lot of good points to learn being in, being in the office. Yeah, yeah. Making,
1: those, making those connections for sure. And um, yeah. So let me ask you, because like I've had this conversation with several people just about, um, especially in these times with social media and everything like that, everybody's so focused on like social media and just pushing it out, but not really getting out in person. So just you being out in person through School of Rock and through college and then now your internship and being out in L.A., how beneficial has those um, – in person like networking and meetings and meeting those people and those relationships been for you in your career.
2: It's definitely key. I mean like I'm a huge proponent of saying that the internet is like the greatest way to market yourself and obviously I believe in that.
0: Mm-hmm. But
2: there's something much different about actually shaking someone's hand and making eye contact. There's like a lot of a lot of artists and people and people in the industry that I know virtually and we still get work done, but it's not the same as when you actually build, you know,
0: mm-hmm. in, a, in a real life
2: setting of a, a relationship. So actually coming out here and like, you know, shaking the hands of the people that have been emailing for months is like, it just puts it into a new perspective, you know?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that it's uh, very important to have like that face to face. and. You know you can discover people online and you know follow each other and things like that but once you really get those like in-person face-to-face like you said handshakes eye contact going like it goes a long way because people are gonna you know sense your vibe they're gonna get to know you more and then you know down the, down the line you're gonna be able to do some work together so i definitely understand that for sure exactly yeah um so before we kind of move on about the networking and the career kind of stuff let's talk because you know um this podcast is like a partnership with Machine Masters and things like that. So let's kind of nerd out a little bit. Like, what's, <laughs> what's your uh, current setup? You know, for for music production as well as like how you do your Instagram videos and things like that.
2: Yeah, so I run. Um, I use Ableton and Logic, but uh, what I do is I don't ever run Machine in standalone. I run Machine as a pl- uh, a plugin through either Logic or Ableton, mm-hmm. and. Um, I'll basically just record the MIDI from Machine and dump it right into Logic. Um, And then as far as the gear that I'm using, I have uh, a Machine MK2, a Machine Studio, um, a couple MIDI keyboards, um, and then two KRK Rockets and a Steinberg interface and that's it. And then to, to record my videos, like it's literally just my phone. I just put my phone like on top of my desk, put a fisheye lens on it and uh, and just hit record, so.
1: Oh, that's interesting because I thought that you were uh, using a GoPro because it seemed like when I was watching the videos as, as you started posting them, it seemed like it was like one kind of... I mean, probably it was from your phone and then you put a fisheye, but I thought you switched to a GoPro or something like that. So it's been your phone the whole time?
2: But yeah, I'm working on getting a better setup so that it's actually like the audio that I'm playing actually being in the video and not just like me tapping pads and hearing that. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to upgrade it when I get home but um, yeah, in the past it's just been my phone.
1: <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. And uh, what do you like better Ableton or Logic?
2: Uh, that's a hard question. <laughs> I, like them, I like them equally. I mean I'm obviously I choose Logic first because I've been using that for mm-hmm. six, five years. Ableton, I've only had for eight months, but there's definitely things in Ableton that surpass Logic immensely. And there's like, there's a lot of things I like about both programs. So a lot of the times I actually use them together. Um, yeah. But, you know, Logic's my baby
1: for sure. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, so moving on, let's kind of talk about just like social media. Like you said, you're a big proponent of social media and the internet yeah. and things like that. So, um, kind of walk us through, because like I, I mentioned earlier, I, w- I was following you probably like a year, a year and a half ago or whatnot. I, I came across your videos and then all of a sudden it's just like, you know, you start started blowing up on Instagram and things like that. So how important has Instagram and the internet been for your career? And then after that, like how important do you think it is to um, just create like dope content consistently?
2: Yeah, um, I would say Instagram and just kind of, you know, the whole social the whole social networking is definitely key in me getting my name out there. Um, it was kind of crazy because I just put my first video up as Odd Kid Out. I, like, switched my name. I had Butch Sariani as my Instagram my whole life. Mm-hmm. I changed it to Odd Kid Out one day when I thought of it. I put up a video, and I thought, like, just my friends would find it cool, and, um I saw that it kind of did pretty well, <laughs> pretty, yeah, yeah. you know, so like I just kind of started building that and um, it took a while to kind of get things going but after a few months um, I started working with like Fact Magazine mm-hmm. and then, um, before I knew it I had Instagram, you know, hitting me up and um, that was definitely essential for me because I don't I don't like to say that everything is 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 social media. Like that's not what's super important. Mm -hmm. But as sad as it is, people look at your social media and then judge you from that.
1: Judge off, it, yep.
2: So like having sixty thousand Instagram followers. Not that that means really anything to me. I mean, I think it's great. I have like so much love for everyone that does follow me, but. Mm it's not an indication of success in my mind. There's there's a, a bunch of people that have way less followers that are probably more talented than I am. But what it allows me to do is hit people up and hit corporations up. And they'll actually look at me because I have that number. So, you know, that's obviously really important. But going forward, I actually I, I see myself kind of focusing a little bit more on... Um, you know, importing myself into the industry and focusing more on just creating tracks, and you know, of course, I'll always be posting videos, but mm. I, I don't want my main priority to be, you know, Instagram. That's just you just can't work that way. So yeah, it'll exactly. always be a part of who I am, but um, you know, going forward, I'm not sure. I'll, I want to upgrade it, and I, you know, I'll always be making stuff, but
1: yeah, yeah. You said you said like three or four things that I definitely want to touch on. So let's talk on. um, Just as you started to grow, you started working Fact Magazine and like Instagram hit you up and things like that. So how did those um, situations come about?
2: So when I uh, when I started post, I get like if I have my mind on something and I want something to like come to life, I can't stop until it does. Mm -hmm. So I was spending like I kid you not, probably six hours a day on Instagram when I first started and I was studying like, uh, oddly enough, photographer's pages and yeah. what I would do is I would go on there and see what hashtags they were using and, and see how they were marketing themselves and then I'd kind of use some of those techniques into, into what I was doing and before I knew it, um, I, believe, I believe it was Fact Magazine, no, Machine Masters was the first, I think, to feature me. Mm-hmm. So they featured one of my videos, and that kind of helped me get a little bit of a following and then I think that opened the door to fact magazine this guy named Matt Chiano um he used to work for them, sent me a dm and then we started fact instabeats um and then machine masters featured me a, a second time and then once fact mag once um fact instabeats went live mm-hmm. it kind of, like, opened up the portal, like, all these people started pouring in, because I wanted to create, and, in fact, magazine wanted to create a community where, like, beat makers could kind of, like, you know, mm-hmm. have an isolated place, so, so once I started curating that, and people saw that I was choosing who was being featured, it was, like, okay, now I gotta tag this dude in every video, Yeah, yeah. I hit him up, so, um, so, yeah, that was kind of, like, how that started, and then, um, and then Instagram... Came after, but um, but yeah, it, it was basically just kind of like a snowball effect. Yeah,
1: and that's that's interesting. I think it's very important for people to to know. It's like it's never just one, necessarily like one. Um, I guess incident you could say that happens. It's like a lot of different things just kind of building on top of each other. And I always kind of look at it just like Legos. Even with like the work that you do, like every video, every photo, it's just like a a building block to build to something greater. So, oh, yeah, for sure. yeah so after like fact magazine and instagram like i saw i guess it's around february um native instruments had sent you a machine studio so how what, what you know what was the deal with that did they just hit you up like hey we want to send you a machine and um and have you post videos yeah so
2: what i would do in a lot of my videos was tag native instruments because ever since i was you know what was that 15 or 16 when i got the machine i was like i'm I need to do something for them. Like I'm just super passionate about it. So I was tagging native instruments in every video for like I don't know eight months, and like eventually uh, I finally got through to them. And um, and I the one guy that that contacted me, his name is uh, Constantine. He um, he sent me a message, and him, myself, and my manager just started conversing. We hopped on email. Um, and I did a a video for them for their iMachine application for the iPhones, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, just from kind of building relationship, they they sent me a studio to Philly, um, and then from there, we've we've only gone uh, excuse me, we've only grown closer, and uh, you know, we got some stuff in the works, so I can't disclose, but yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, but, but there's definitely some more stuff to be, to be seen. So they're, you know, they're my ride or die for sure.
1: Yeah, that's what's up. And uh, it, it's just dope to see how like those relationships come about and how people uh, build the relationships and how it can come from social media or how it can come in person. I mean, even I think back to, uh, I it's been like five or six years now, but um, my, my dude Simon Illa, who I had on episode seven, he actually lived in Philly for a while as well. And okay. um, we were at like at A3C, the hip hop festival down here in Atlanta. Right. And, um, I had linked him up with like somebody from uh, Native Friendships yes. at the time, and then I ended up giving yes. him a machine, and like he still uses it to this day. So it's just interesting how like those things work and how those connections come about and things like that. Yes. Yes. And then you had also said something else about the whole social media thing and how like you're still, you know, you're still doing it, you're still posting videos and things like that, but you're focusing on embedding yourself more in the industry like in person and building those relationships so why do you think or what made you want to make that switch and get off offline and start building those in person relationships and you know getting those in person jobs and things like that
2: um, well when I was when I was doing my videos and when Instagram featured me there was like a really really big surge in my profile during February to April mm-hmm. and um, Once May hit, you know, I still get a a very good amount of traffic, but it kind of slowed down. So I was trying to find ways to be more inventive. And around that time, I released my EP and I started seeing the importance of not just being a social media star Mm -hmm. and and the importance of being a musician. And it kind of like snapped me back to the days where I was a drummer and like, you know, spending all of my time in studios and, and being out in the scene. And I just, I I felt like I was spending too much time on my social image and not enough time on my actual, actual real life image. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, also just being in LA inspired me to kind of, you know, reevaluate. And the thing is, I haven't posted many videos in the past two months and that's because I don't have my personal studio out here. So when I'm out here, if I'm in the studio, it's for something. I can't just be like, hey, let me uh, record myself doing something real quick. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would be posting more. I can't until I get back to Philly in September. Um, like I said, I'll always be doing it, but when it comes down to it, the industry, like, it's not about posting videos on social media. It's about getting placements. So that's what I want to do, and that's that's my direction. So.
1: Yeah, and I, I mean, I totally understand too, because a lot of people do get caught up in like the whole social media thing, but it's like. No matter how many followers you have, or how many people are liking or commenting on your photos, like that's not checks. That's not money. Not at all. Not at all. Yeah. So one thing that really um, stuck out to me about you, especially as I started doing research before I um, actually hit you up to come onto the podcast, is just how you know you're like a young dude, but you're still like very professional in everything you do and how you handle your business. Like you have your LLC set up and everything like that. So. Right. Where did that where did that come from? I guess I should ask, like, who showed you or who taught you the way? Was it your manager or was it just like you doing research? Or you know, where did you learn the importance of being professional and handling the business side of things?
2: Um, Well, it's when I was younger. Like, I have a very good relationship with both my mom and dad, and I was an only child, so I I had a lot of time growing up with just them and not messing around with like brothers or anything like that or Mm -hmm. sisters and. I don't want to say that I was a serious kid, but I don't know. I I didn't really growing up, I never really cared about like what the coolest party was in high school or anything like that. Like I was focused on having a career, which sounds super weird. Like I, I'm still a fun dude. It's just like yeah, yeah. I definitely just kind of wanted to do I wanted to do the things that no one else could do. Mm-hmm. So um I kind of just I guess that's just my personality. But um, as far as like the LLC and setting everything up, like my manager was like the huge backbone for that. He uh, His name is Kirkland Lynch. He's from Philly too. But he lives out in LA, uh, works for UMG. And uh, he was definitely the one that held my hand and, and got me through all of the, you know, not only the legal stuff, but also just, you know, this is what you need to do in order to do this and, you know, putting, putting everything in the right basket. So it was a combination of just my personality and then, you know, linking up with him and uh, making the executive moves, you know.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Let's touch on what you just said about um, doing things that nobody else can do because it seems like, and, and being like, you know, not really, you said like, you know, you're still a fun dude and things like that, but you're focusing on your career. And it's like a lot of people that I've talked to, and myself included, you know, it's been like, well, you know, you can go to this party on Friday or Saturday night or you can be in a house like learning your craft, perfecting your craft, um, all that kind of thing. So what do you think it is in you that made you be like, you know, I'm going to focus on my career and, and what kind of drives you to want to do what other people
2: can't or won't do? Um, When I was younger, I always would complain to my parents and be like, I don't fit in anywhere. Like, I'm not a jock, but I still play sports. I yeah. I'm a musician but I'm not I don't want to say musicians are antisocial, but a lot of them are antisocial. Yeah, yeah. So like I was very much just in the middle of everything and I couldn't like pinpoint myself on a group. I couldn't like find a group. So I was friends with everyone. Yeah. But it frustrated me. But then as I grew up I was like, Oh wait, that's dope. I can like I can just move around wherever I want to be exactly yeah yeah and then yeah. um I don't know, I just I went to all the parties, and I was like, alright, this is cool, but, like, you know, I understand it in high school, but especially in college, like, I'm just watching kids, like, get through the week, and then just go drink their faces off on the weekend, wake up, and do it all over again, mm-hmm. and it's, it's like, true. yo, like, you're spending so much money at college, like, yeah. you better be trying to set your life up, and for me, it's like, being in the music industry, it's crazy, and, like, I I remember watching videos of like Mac Miller and Wiz Khalifa when they started, mm-hmm. when they were here, and I was like, damn, these dudes are like 17 or 18, like I need to, I need to be at that level, yeah, so yeah. I've always just kind of ingrained it that, like I need to be young and I need to be in it and I need to be doing it, so.
1: Yeah, I gotta say, man, you're like really speaking to me right now because I'm just like shaking my head like I know exactly, <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. I mean, and even now, it's like I'm, uh, you know, I do photography for like Home Depot and stuff, and it's right. like a lot of my coworkers, they're just like, you know, every day of the week, it's like, is it Friday yet? Is it Friday yet? Is it Friday yet? It Friday right. yet? And then it's like, they're looking for like something to come down from the sky and save them so they're like you know when the lottery gets up to a high amount they're coming around collecting money like you want to be in the lottery this week i'm like no you know and it's like they're going home and watching tv and things like that and it's like i'm coming home I'm trying to do like the podcast i'm trying to go shoot some photos like i was shooting photos earlier and i'm trying to make some music like right and, and things like that so i think it's just something different about people who like, everybody says they want to do something, but it's always, like, the people who really, really want to do it, they're going to sacrifice, make those sacrifices to get to where they're trying to be. Right, exactly.
2: And, like, there's nothing wrong with living a normal lifestyle and just waiting to get to the weekend to have fun. Like, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. No, that's, that's just not how I wanted my life to be. I, wanted, I want to wake up and love what I do every day and have fun every day so that I don't have to be like, oh, I just need to get to Friday, you know?
1: Yeah, exactly. And, um... One person I, I follow that I really love is Gary Vee, and he basically says, like, if you if, if that's what you like to do, if you like to, you know, come home and watch TV and, you know, do whatever on the weekends, that's fine. But if you're doing that stuff and you want a different life and you're complaining about it, like, you don't have the right to complain about it because you should be doing the work and, and getting it done. And, and that's kind of how I look at it as well. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about the um, the Within EP. So I'm guessing this is kind of something from Moving... You know, from the online world and social media world to the offline world and like creating a project and things like that, and I actually saw on Instagram in your story you had posted like a mixtape from a while back as well but, oh, uh, yeah. so that what yeah. Yeah, yeah, so um you know what was your thought process with the within e p and the artists that you worked with and and everything like that
2: uh the within e p was very much just a personal project mm-hmm. um, it was in no way meant to be mainstream or kind of you know a nice easy listening fun time album that wasn't really what I wanted I wanted to come off the bat with my first project telling a story and kind of just being something that like you know the kid in his bedroom listens to it and he's like yo this is dope like this isn't like what I'm used to hearing and like Mm. feels inspired so that's kind of like where where my head was when i was making it but it's essentially i like to call it a mini movie um and you kind of have to know my life story to understand it but every song it starts with chapter one Mm
0: -hmm.
2: and you know it's like the first chapter of my life and every song has a different emotion and event tied to it um until the ending so for me when i listen to it it's, it's really emotional because it's like all these elements are in there that i recognize like on the second track the baby crying is actually me crying and it's my mom's voice like i sampled all of my home videos from when i was a kid yeah yeah um, so it it was it was very much uh, a, a personal experience but also something that people can listen to and be like oh like I, i've experienced something similar you know i didn't want it just to be like oh this happened to odd kid out but rather like okay this happened to odd kid out and i can relate to it um okay. Moving forward, I definitely want to do some more stuff that's just um easier to listen to and much more uh open to to, to more types of people. But I think for a first release it, it was uh it was good to just get that off my chest and, and share who I am with, with the people that listen to what I do.
1: Yeah, for sure. It was a dope project. So I remember when you released it um back in the like late winter, early spring, like I had saved it to my Spotify and listened to it here and there. I I went back and revisited it today. You know, I, I definitely got the vibe that was about your story. And I was like, I bet he sampled his home videos on yeah. this. So yeah. it, it's a really dope project for those out there listening. Go check it out for sure. And and that's kind of where I've like picked up on your influences, with just not only what you post on Instagram, but you know, you can definitely hear the Dillas and the Mad Libs and things like that, but you can also hear the electronic influence in it as well. All right. So I appreciate Definitely very uh, dope project. So uh, a few more things I want to touch on. Um, You know, we talk about social media and and everything. Um, You know, you always see people online posting about what they're going to do or what they're trying to do and things like that and that they're hustling or whatever. So what's kind of like your definition of, of hustling and and getting stuff done?
2: Hmm. I feel like everyone's hustle is different, Mm -hmm. but I can usually tell from the first time that I meet someone, um, what their energy input is into, into you know, trying to make it in this industry. Mm-hmm. The biggest indicator for me is when I send a track to someone and they don't get back to me in like at least a week. Okay. And I'm, I'm not asking for them to do a lot. And it's like, if you can't return something that I've sent you in that short amount of time, like what are you doing?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And most of these people aren't in school anymore. I'm in school and I'm still getting the tracks to you the next day or the one after Mm-hmm. So there's not really many excuses um that I'll just kind of write off. It's like, you know, if if you really say that if you say that you're hustling and you say that you're making music all the time and in the studio uh, this and that, then get then send the track, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um but I don't know, you can usually just tell people's personalities and, and I I really don't like people that exude the hustle where they're like, "Oh, like um like you don't need to tell me how much you work. Just mm-hmm. Show me, you know what I mean? Yep. But um yeah, I mean everyone has a different schedule. I work different than the next guy does, but at the end of the day, it's just about, you know, getting stuff done on time and, mm-hmm. and putting your soul into it, you know.
1: Yeah, I think it's all about execution. Like you can talk and talk all day, but until you execute it and show those results, like it doesn't matter. Right. Um so yeah, so um the next thing I want to touch on real quick is that you know I'm huge on a growth mindset like I'm always you know trying to read books listen to podcasts listen to audio books and things like that set goals so what um are some things that you do you know to grow in your career um and then also to grow as like a person do you like set goals or you like you know do you have a mentor like w- what are some things you do to grow
2: um I wouldn't really say I have a mentor I definitely talk to my parents a lot mm-hmm. and my manager um, and my close friends but a, a lot of this sounds it's gonna probably sound super weird but I have like two two or three times during my day where I kind of fade out from just life and start thinking about my future and I think about what I want to do and that's when I take a shower um, when I lay down to go to bed I'm really bad at sleeping mm-hmm. so it takes me like an hour to fall asleep and I'm just constantly thinking in that time period. And then when I walk from place to place, so like when I walk home from work every day, that 15 minutes that I walk home is just a recap of, of what I've done today, what I've done in the past week, and what I need to get done in the next days and in, in, the, in the future weeks. Mm-hmm. So every day I'm constantly thinking about the past, present, and future. Um, and I usually write a lot of stuff down in my notes section on like my phone or my mm-hmm. computer. And I'll check stuff off. Um, But yeah, I need to reiterate what I've done to kind of digest it. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I I keep a mental log every day. And I'm always just thinking of what's next. Um, Always trying to think about like what's the next big move that I can do to get to where I want to be. So it's just a mental exercise, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's important because, um, you know, for me myself, it's like a lot a lot of things come in the shower but it's usually like right after i work out so i try to work out every day it's like usually right after i like push myself and you know working out is kind of you know they talk about meditation and things like that and like when you have a really hard workout like it forces you to be present and in your body so it's like after the workout it kind of helps me to like just think on what's next and what i should be doing and things like that and I'm, i'm the same way with my notes i write a lot of notes down and just try to you know, keep those thoughts organized. And sometimes good ideas come, sometimes they don't, and I don't act on them, but it's important to at least be conscious of it and be active in the process of like actually thinking. Cause a lot of people these days don't even want to think, you know, well, wanna... right. Exactly.
2: And like my, my kind of, what I always say is like for every thought that you have, like one in, you know, 50 will be a good one. So you just got to always got to be churning new ones out and trying to think of new stuff and, you know, keep it moving.
1: Yeah. And one of my favorite like entrepreneurs, um, podcasters, uh, James Altucher, he has, he talks about it. He's like, he basically encourages people to write down at least 10 ideas a day. Yeah. It's like out of those ten ideas, you know, every day in a week you have seventy ideas. One of them are gonna be is gonna be a good idea. Exactly. You know, you can execute on that and, and create opportunity from it. So yeah, I totally get it. It doesn't sound weird at all. Like I totally understand. Yeah, yeah. So finally what I want to talk about um is success, Cause you know, you're you've had some success online and you've been um you got an internship, you're going to school for music business, um, you know, you got a a, a budding career and everything like that. So it's kind of different because you're kind of like on the front end of your career as opposed to a lot of other people that I've talked to and things like that. So, what is like your definition of success and how have you redefined it for yourself and what you want out of life?
2: Yeah, defining success is like I feel like it's like the hardest thing because for some people that means a lot of money and for some people that means, you know, going down in history. So, there's like mm-hmm. there's just so many ways to to think about it. But for me, obviously i want to have enough money to support myself and and my future family and and you know go back and help my parents um but i think my idea of success would be changing the way that people listen and perceive to or listen and perceive popular music mm-hmm. so i i love pop music but a lot of the times it can get a little bit repetitive
0: mm-hmm.
2: so One of my big goals and and what would make me feel successful would be having a hit record that would not fit the common mold, you know, and kind of like figuring out a new way to to make people think about music and listen to music. Um, Yeah, I mean, that's it's still something I'm still trying to figure out. Like, I'm only 20, so Mm -hmm. I don't even really know where I'll be in two years. You know, two years ago, Odd Kid Out wasn't here, Mm -hmm. so I had no idea where I'll end up, but um, as of now, that's kind of that's kind of my, my long and short-term goals.
1: Yeah, and, and understandable, and like I said, man, I mean, just the way you've been, the moves you've been making and things like that has really stuck out to me, because you don't really see a lot of, you know, 20-year-olds moving the way you do, and, and as, are as focused as you are, so that's why I wanted to get you on, especially for, like, any listeners who are, like, high school, college age, you know, around your age, who are aspiring to be like a music producer or photographer, whatever, you know, creative field they go into, because you know, you're focused, you have your stuff together and I feel that, you know, the sky's the limit for you. So that's why I wanted to have you on and share your story. Um, so yeah. Once you tell all of the listeners where we can find you at online and everything.
2: Yeah. So everything online is just at odd kid out. That's O D D K I D O U um, T. That's on Facebook, Instagram, Instagram, YouTube is Odd Kid Out Records. Uh Twitter is Odd Kid Out with the handle with the little like underneath slash thing at the end because someone has Odd Kid Out and it sucks. <laughs> um and yeah, that's that's and then oh yeah, on uh, Spotify, iTunes, any music any kind of music platform, just type in Odd Kid Out, you'll find the EP and a few other various tracks that I produce for people. Um I would say I'm most active on Instagram, so if you want to hit me up, my email is in my bio, and uh, every now and then I check my DMs, so um, yeah, feel free to reach out. If I can help in any way, I would love to.
1: Yeah, definitely, and I appreciate you um, coming on to the podcast and sharing your story, and everybody for sure, go check out his videos on Instagram, check out his EP, is very dope work, um, and everybody listening to the Creative Masters podcast, this is Reggie, aka Nobody Famous, until next week, peace. So there you have it. That's episode 13 of the Creative Masters podcast, featuring Odd Kid Out. As usual, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at nobodyfamous, and don't forget to follow Machine Masters at Machine Masters on Twitter and Instagram. If you're looking for online courses on Ableton, the machine, beat making, mixing, all that kind of good stuff, be sure to check out machinemasters.com. Also, please rate us, review us. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Google Play. Until next week, peace.